Hello, hello to our listeners, whom we value above all else. It's The Media Beat, and it's episode 39. I am your host, my name is Oliver Turnbull, but that doesn't matter, because what matters is the two people that uh, will be doing, hopefully, most of the talking on this episode, as usual, who are uh, commentators on the media industry, uh, both coming from slightly different backgrounds with a slightly different focus, which is always very interesting. Um, I welcome first my colleague from Arthur D. Little, the world's oldest management consultancy there is. Uh, of course, if it's the world, it probably it probably would be, uh, unless there's, I don't know, a management consultancy on uh, Mars or something, but uh, it's unlikely, it seems, although they get everywhere. Uh, Maureen Kerr is the partner who leads up the media practice for Arthur D. Little. Uh, we've been colleagues for a couple of years now. It's been fun and we're doing some really interesting work, which probably we should talk about at some point. But anyway, uh, first up, a welcome Maureen. Hello, Maureen. Hello, Oliver. Hello, listeners. And uh, Claire Tavernier is a media commentator. She has held a lot of senior roles in a variety of businesses. She consults now and is uh, the star of this podcast, one of the two stars of this podcast. Claire, hello to you as well. Hello, Oliver. Hello, Maureen. Hello, listeners. It's always my job to see if I can make uh, Claire giggle with her introduction. I nearly got there, but uh, yeah, she's far too professional. So, um, well, we always have packed episodes, as you know, our regular listeners um, always know about about our, our packed schedule. And today we're going to be doing a deep dive, one of our famous deep dives. It's going to be, uh, Claire's going to start it, uh, and then we're going to hear um, the perspective of Maureen as well. But we're going to be talking about something uh, I find fascinating, confusing, and very expensive. And that is subscription models, bundling, and all the ways that people who produce media find to make us spend as much as we possibly can, or as much as they can possibly get out out of us every month. Uh, that's going to be really um, interesting. Uh, there's a few things in the news. There's things like the Premiership Rights, which is extraordinary. DAZN uh, comes back into our consciousness. Uh, Spotify, there is still um, a peril at Spotify. Uh, not particularly good news if you work for them. We'll see about that later. Uh, and also we'll be touching on Ofcom. Ofcom, an online nation, whatever that is, but we'll find out later. We're going to be talking about a TED conference in Latvia that went very wrong. We're going to be talking about Grand Theft Auto getting woke. And we're going to talk about Sports Illustrated getting weird. Stay tuned, folks. It's going to be a great one. So let's start off, shall we not, with, um, yeah, the thing that, um, well, it, it interests business people and punters alike, uh, and that's how subscription models and bundling works. And as with all our deep dives, it's sometimes quite nice to take a step back and look at some of the fundamentals. Um, so Claire, I invite you now uh, to take our listeners through um, what it means, what it is, how it affects us, and uh, how it's moving in the future. Um, Claire, please. So subscription models, uh, models where you basically pay a recurring fee every month are, of course, uh, they've been around for a long, long time, much way before Netflix. This is how you pay your monthly telephone bill, your monthly, your monthly electricity bill, etc. Uh, and when you have a model which is driven by bringing in consumers, customers that you're going to keep for a long time on a recurring payment scheme, you talk about two key things. And these are the things that we, we're going to spend a little bit of time on today. You talk about acquiring these new customers, acquisition, and a lot of going back to the Netflix of this world, a lot of those big drama series like The Crown, 
that they're putting on their platform is about acquisition. And then you talk about churn, and churn is is it's a really weird word actually, but it's the people dropping off the platform. So imagine if you were with a mobile provider, uh, you probably had a fixed term contract of two years, and after two years they're going to try to sign you on at any cost because if you drop off and move to another one, you go into your you you become a churn, and that that means they have to get an, another acquire another person to keep you on, and it's usually cheaper to retain people than to acquire them but also usually in most systems once somebody has churned i.e left the platform they don't come back now something is emerging that's quite interesting in the subscription uh, world of content and specifically of of uh, video content and again we're talking about netflix disney plus etc it's the concept of serial churner which is a really, it's getting weird and weirder in terms of, of words. But uh, there's, a, there's an, um, a research company called Antenna, which does a lot of research into the streaming and subscriber journeys, etc. And they found out that if you look at uh, new signups, so new acquisitions, uh, for instance, new people coming into Netflix, in 2019, only 10% of these people were people who, maybe had been on Netflix at some point and were re-signing after a while, that's gone up to 33%. So a third of new sign-up to, to streaming platforms are effectively people who are just, they're just swapping through platforms. They're saying, we're going to have, and you know, you may know these people. I have a few friends who do exactly this. They have it all on, a, on an Excel spreadsheet. And they say, you know, I'm going to do three months of, of Disney uh, and then, and now these are all the things I want to watch while I have Disney, and then I'll drop Disney. And of course, unlike the mobile providers, there's no cost to dropping a streaming service. And then I'll do three months of Netflix. I may even get a, a special offer if I sign up, and then I'll get you know, maybe I'll get a month free. Then I'll drop Netflix. I'll move on to Apple, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they don't do what people have found themselves doing, which is pay for five or six subscriptions that they don't actually use. They just cycle through them. It takes a little bit of management. It's much more cost effective. And it's a terrible proposition for platforms. And they're doing all they can. They're developing strategies to try to avoid it. For instance, they've gone back to dropping episodes week after week rather than dropping them all in one go. That's one of the ways to try and avoid churn. They're also talking a lot about bundling several platforms together, and we'll explore that a little bit more. But yes, this is this is a really new phenomenon that really that has that's very specific to this market, and that's clearly growing, especially in the context of the cost of living crisis. So that's where that's that's the sort of thing that we we were going to talk about today. But I'll hand over to Maureen. Yeah, and uh, no, that that's really helpful actually because it is so confusing. I love this word churner. Churner. <laughs> that's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, and it's triggered. It's, tri it's triggered an entire debate about whether or not, um, you know, uh, you should look at uh, bundling services. And, and when we talk about bundling, um, we're talking about actually putting together several products together in one basket and then charging potentially um, a lower fee than the combined three, say, for example. So um, and this was this is this is this has become quite sort of a vogue. Um, and I think we've all been quite surprised by now how quickly uh, this approach to bundling has accelerated on the streaming side. We all understand the fundamentals as to why. 
um, as Claire has sort of, you know, highlighted there, it's uh, churn is, has, has become a significantly uh, a major problem for the streamers uh, because of the basis on which they uh, customers are subscribing on a monthly basis. So um, and the cost uh, of those monthly subscription packages. So what's triggered and what's the catalyst uh, or what's catalyzed this, this particular discussion that we thought that we should share with you is the fact that Apple and Paramount will come out uh, this week to say that they'll be bundling their services. Um, well, they're exploring. They're exploring. I, I, they're exploring. I, they're exploring. Yeah, I don't think they've, decided, but they've, they've, they've quite, yeah. yeah. There's, there's discussions. Yeah. Discussions are ongoing, which will probably happen. Which will probably happen. Mm. And, um, and, and they're not, they're not the first. You know, if you think about Apple um, in particular, Apple has, um, we can call it a bundle, a bundled service package. But Apple created, as, as, as Claire, you and I were discussing earlier in the year. Uh, they, they 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 created something called Apple One, and Apple One is a bundled service. It's basically taking their uh, standalone products of uh, music. Um, so you've got the Apple Music and you've got the Apple Arcade, uh, and they've put that all in to something called Apple One. And the reason they're doing that is because, as we say, they're unable to price each of those products individually and they're not going to be able to get the economies of scale or certainly uh, be able to service those products at, at a certain price where they know that you know customers will take them up so if they bundle it all together they they at least can show uh, to the consumer to the consumer and the customers that there's some sort of value added um and, you and know, of course, is Amazon, not... Amazon is the queen, the king of bundling. Amazon Prime is the typical oh, example absolutely. of bundling. Something, two things that are completely different: uh, next day absolutely. delivery and video content. Exactly, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so, uh, and 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 I think, and I think Paramount and Apple. I think Paramount's been very brave. I think Apple is. Uh, this is this is super. I think the fact that the two of them have come together with completely diverse content strategies. So you've got Apple, which is basically the pie well it's trying to sort of position itself as a pioneer for premium 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 content high-end drama and you've got paramount which is you know from comedy to you know really interesting sort of uh, series or, uh, or procedurals or docu-series a whole range of kind of kind of broader uh, content side those bashed together and packaged together is going to really appeal to a wider uh, a customer base so i actually think it's very smart i'm sure they work out the detail and i'm sure they're gonna they, they, they're gonna do it but catalyzed by claire going back to your point um you know uh, both i think well paramount in particular its churn figures are way 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 above average you know i think we're uh, we're looking at sort of, you know, five, five, six percent of churn and they're way up there at the seven, seven plus percent. And I think that's probably what the uh, what the issue uh, has been for them. And that's what's triggered uh, this. But it's not going to stop there. I think we'll see a whole host of companies that will also start to bundle. I think um, uh, Peacock as well. Peacock is out there, um, not necessarily you know, liaising with or negotiating with other streamers, but they're they're looking at a de delivery, grocery delivery service. So they're they're now partnering with Instacart, a deal that they announced quite recently to package up, um, you know, content with ads and the grocery side of things. So I think everyone's going to be experimenting. So it's going to be really interesting to to see how that all pans out. But it's a sign that you know streamers are struggling. Streamers are struggling to make profits. Um, and this is what, why we're ended up being in the sort of um, uh, the bundling, um, the bundling 
paradigm, one, one can call it, which all the telcos and the mobile operators have been doing for many, many years. Yes, and I think it's 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 a Dazlav. We've talked about this. Dazlav is uh, at um, Warner Brother Discovery has also said, you know, he thought we should go back to cable bundling, etc. But I think this is quite different from your previous cable bundling experience, where you had limited choice and limit, and the consumer was sort of given very limited, high cost options. Um, streamers are struggling. There was another stat that came out this week that showed that gross margin on linear tv it's still double at least what uh, streamers make and that's partly because content costs are so dramatically high proportionally for streamers and they're really struggling with this uh so uh, they haven't found uh, the, the the right business model yet we talked about how apple tv doesn't have any library content paramount does have library content and as you say the content is very is complementary uh, there's not that much overlap, so yeah, those two brands together make sense. And and we've there is actual data showing that that bundling reduces churn. So, but there is a limit to that because because consumers' wallet have a limit, and so we'll see who comes out on top. Uh, let's move on, and uh, I hoped you're going to say if you bundle this and bundle that and bundle that and then do that, then you'll save about fifty quid a month. But I'm one of these subscribers to everything because. Um, um, I sort of sort of like everything, and you subscribe to Sky just to get the Premiership. It's such a you might as well go and see the match uh, for the money you pay. But anyway, that was a, a interesting uh, deep dive. See, Sky, Sky is a typical example of a high-priced cable bundle, uh, and it's and the only high-priced cable bundle that survive are the ones with sports in it. Because you you fan, sports fans are the only people who will pay that much money uh, to see your matches live. Well, and it's all, it's got to be live as well. It's just um, it's no fun if it's not live. Uh, that's the thing. And also, uh, you you can't uh, you can't binge. You can't you can't binge on Premiership matches because they only happen once a week. It's annoying. But anyway, it won't stop us. It's an addiction, but a, a beautiful one, uh, despite the previous performances of um, Tottenham Hotspur over the over the last uh, few games. Anyway, uh, let's move on. It is time for in the news. And talking about Premiership, uh, Claire, Premiership rights are in the news. You have that story. Please tell me what's going on. Well, what's going on is Premiership rights have just been uh, renewed uh, for 2025 to 2029 at, uh, you know, a very small increase, 3.5% increase on the previous, previous deal. So these are the Premier League domestic rights um for for the uk uh and they're basically split into into four sections sky has the biggest part for the live rights uh bt sports and tnt sports have i don't know what they have but they have a bunch of rights quite small and then uh the bbc has rights for um for the highlights which is their match of the day packages and they pay for that they, they pay extra for that so the there was a very small increase on the previous package which um, the premiership will will talk about as a very positive sign in fact it's not quite as good because uh what's the what you find out if you start looking into it is that there are there's about 3.5 increase in revenues, but there's a 35% increase in the number of games. Uh, so it's not really that that good in terms of a deal. And it's sort of, 
there's been a lot of chatter that this is a sign that those rights have peaked, that there is a limit to how much the market will pay for live rights. There was a big hope that the streamers would come in and pitch. They haven't. Sky has gone in and, and, got, and got the deal for, for a very limited increase. Those rights really peaked around the, the highest they ever were, were uh, for the 2016-2019 um, rights package, because this is when Sky and BT were fighting against each other. They went to 1.8 billion pounds. They're now down to, well, not down to, they're at 1.7, essentially, billion pounds. So they've, they've come down a little bit. Uh, you have to remember there's been quite a lot of inflation over those years. So mm, a mixed picture, I think, for premiership rights in the UK. I think they, they may not be super happy about these numbers. And there's Amazon as well. So uh, Amazon, BT, Sky, uh, got, got all, they, they, Amazon have this thing where they play all the uh, matches in one week on Amazon. Um, and so, uh, yeah. I yeah, I'm not sure, actually, they are in the new bid. Uh, you oh, know, right. they they're, were in the previous one for, not, for a little not, bit, a little bit pa package, not. but I think they haven't bid again. So clearly it's not working for them in the way that they thought. I think it's a quite weird no, one because you won't watch a premiership match every night, I don't think. You'll watch your team, I would imagine. But I, I, I don't know. I'm just speaking as a punter. Sorry, Maureen, you were saying. Uh, no, that's okay. No, but you, you're absolutely right, Oliver, to sort of refer back to Amazon. Amazon was definitely, you know, in the party, in the fray, and picked up um, some 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 game nights, um, some some bank holidays, you know, and the like. So, um, but this time around, I think we are now seeing, as lots of commentators are referring to, back to duopoly as we understood it, which is effectively Sky and uh, and BT or TNT Sports that are basically shifting and sharing uh, the different types of uh, rights within the Premier League. So uh, that's effectively where it's sort of landed. Um, and as Claire sort of alludes to, the, the inflation that we all ex kind of expected in the pricing didn't really sort of pan out, but it, it's not bad. Uh, but it, it's, it's, it's the sort of 3 4% that, uh, that Claire, Claire mentioned. So, um, you know, they're holding, their, they're holding their price, they're holding their points, but... Not, 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 not a massive sort of uh, big hurrah, hurrah for the uh, for the mm. for the for the Premier League, yeah. But just to back to the two, back to the two major players, and I think sensibly so that the zone, you know, entered the fray but didn't do anything stupidly and just sort of sat back and said, no, I'm not going to go above that price. So, mm, I think they did well not to mm. uh, not to push up uh, the prices. Leave it to the two big boys. It's very funny. They all use the same um, commentating teams and the same um, expert teams and the same hmm. studio teams as well. They all they all swap around, but the coverage is subtly different. I go for Sky every time. Um, it's probably because they've got by far the best graphics and analysis afterwards. But anyway, that's my personal preference. It's so funny that um, the NFL still dwarfs the Premiership. Just one country sport with a lot less matches. It's just 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 puts into perspective how popular football is, American football is in in across the pond. Okay, well, talking of the zone. Uh, um, uh, Maureen, uh, which I've been calling Dazen because that's the way it's spelt, but I'm not cool like you. So, Maureen, <laughs> tell us what's in the news about the zone. Yeah, no, uh, me neither. I'm not the C word either. So, I'm not cool <laughs> either. Uh, uh, I think but you are. The, uh, no, I, I, I've been following this company since it was founded back in 2016. And we always thought that, oh, no, not another one. It's going to be like. Satanta, uh, or it's going to be, you know, like those 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 others that sort of race to Flash buy rights. Just, 
flash in the pan, that sort of thing. Thank you, Claire. Wow. Deep cut. Very good idiom. Give me the de- yeah, exactly. Give me, give me the deep, give me the, give me the flash points, Claire. No, please. Uh, I, I really, I really, I really thought, a lot of people thought that. And I thought, oh, no, 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 I think they've been sensible. And guess what? They stayed out of the rights uh, battle in the UK and some big, 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 big places like the US for a long time. And they went for like these really, uh, let's say niche sports like they went for boxing or wrestling or or kickboxing and things like that and I think they they slowly sort of realized over about three or four years that you know rights is not about global rights because they basically went big they thought oh we're gonna buy loads of global rights and then they realized very very quickly that's not the case and that rights is very much a national sport it truly is a national sport and I think sensibly so and so they've been building up their audiences they've been building up their sports uh, collaborations they've been building up their strategic play through partnerships they're doing all the things that all of those other flash in the pans basically did didn't do well and the reason that they lost lots of money and the reason that I'm mentioning this is because I, I just think it's another uh, uh, another way of showing uh, how you can you know approach the rights play in a very smart way so different types of sports um, nationally um, and and slowly building up your audience. So I think they're very smart. They pos- potentially could turn a profit. Well, now we don't know this. They could break even uh, next year. And then everyone's commentating whether or not they, you know, they will maybe uh, file for uh, an IPO. Um, and perhaps and perhaps they may. So I, I just think it's a really an interesting company that's doing quite well at the moment. They're trying to sort of contain costs, as we all know, sports rights are inflationary um i just want to cite one stat and then i'll then i'll stop chatting but we all know that sky is is a major participant but just 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 look at these two facts so sky spent 2.1 billion on sports rights they probably have in terms of number of games around 600 uh the zone spending 1.8 billion and guess what over 800 games so there's a really interesting thing that people don't really know much about the zone, but quietly, confidently in the background, it's really building a presence. So I just think it's a really interesting one. So not that I'm giving investment advice, of course, but watch out for 2024, 2025. This could be an IPO target. That's a prediction of mine. That's in the news. That's in the news. <laughs> and of course, it's it's ultimately... It's ultimately owned by Len Blavatnik, who is slowly but surely building yes. a very significant portfolio of media assets. So it'll be interesting to see whether he decides to go public, as you say, or continue to continue to own it and and uh, and build his build his uh, little portfolio, not little, large portfolio of uh, properties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly and it's not he's he founded as you know claire sort of you know the access industries which also has ex-bbc executives sitting in there buying drama programs so it's quietly quietly doing some really interesting things uh behind the scenes so while we talk about bob Iger and david zaslav and others you know these this team of people are just quietly quietly doing getting getting on with the business so to speak if i can put it that way very colloquially Yes, and, and and as you said, certainly in the case of, in the case of the zone, which I also I always think dazed, but the zone uh, in in very smartly looking for niche sports, looking for undervalued sports like you know women's football, looking for sports with a 
big social media footprint like boxing that may not have been looked at in the same way. So a very interesting way of thinking about, of rethinking the sports streaming industry. So yes, someone to watch for sure. Ah, oh, women's football. It's so, so depressing. England beat Scotland 6-0 uh, away. Um, it wasn't a particularly good game, but it's an amazing result. And as a result, because the Dutch won 4-0, uh, Team GB will not be competing uh, at, uh, in Paris 24 because only two teams from Europe, apart from the hosts, are allowed. Two teams from Europe. Oh. Women's football. Absolute disgrace. The strongest continent in women's football, the greatest advert for it, and we're going to get two teams, and one of them isn't Team GB. Very, very cross for the um, for the women's football team from the UK. Uh, I don't know. There must be a reason why there's so few teams um, in the Olympics. Anywho, we better move on. Uh, so DAZN, friend of the show, and Maureen's tip for the top. I like that. We probably should have a section, Maureen's tip for the top, uh, in, uh, in every show. And I assume... Um, it will never be me. So here we go. The oh yes. So another high profile. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. The zone's not very high profile. A high because I thought I get it confused with Dan on as well. The the yogurt folk, but no, the zone the, the sports folk. Um, Spotify very very famous. The news might not be quite as good. The story. Uh, Maureen, our roving reporter, has that story. Maureen. Oh, oh gosh, yes, yes, yeah. Well, it's maybe, maybe not, not, not unexpected uh, piece of news. Um, and we recall back in June, uh, Spotify, you know, kind of laid off a whole bunch of folks. I think it was around about 200 people in their podcasting unit. Uh, then I think he released. Uh, so Daniel Ek, who's the CEO, released the CFO as well. I think. Um, so I think this is this is uh, this is another piece of news that says they're still right-sizing their business effectively because of the economic uh, malaise, the economic decline, subscriptions sort of falling off. Uh, they're going through another round of uh, of cuts. And I think actually this is now the third round of cuts. So um, um, quite a significant number of people are being released. Um, I am actually not quite sure in which area. It was more of a sort of general over, uh, like across the business that they're, they're, they're being released. Uh, but yeah, uh, the CEO did mention this was against the backdrop of the economic climate. Um, I'm sure we're probably going to see some more. And I just wonder if that's underpinned by, you know, further sort of right sizing or different economic um, uh, model or business model shift or strategic shift. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll be we'll be following this story very closely, uh, Oliver. Thank you. Back, back to you in the studio. Back to you in the studio. But Claire might have um, a comment on that. I do. As a, as a, as a um, <laughs> deputy roving reporter, I, I I think well the CFO left in this round, so he's just left. Um, there, I mean, there are there are there are general questions about how Spotify can make money long term. Uh, which we've touched upon in the past, and partly is the you know there's a lot of pressure from the labels uh, around their deal. A lot of the money that they get in goes straight out to the labels. Their model is based on subscription, so flat fee from the users, but then uh, volume driven payments to the labels, etc. There've even been rumors that they might end up being acquired because they are so um, unstable and, and financially. I'd be surprised if the labels let that happen, to be honest, because they quite like Spotify after not liking them at all at the beginning. And now it's a system that they understand and can, can control and influence, etc. So I'd be, you know, if 
say Netflix or Microsoft or Apple. I mean, Apple would be a problem from a competition point of view, I suspect. If any of these were, were to go after Spotify, I think the labels would have a problem with it. But it's certainly something's going to have to change. It's more than just the environment. It's, it's, it's a non-unsustainable long-term business model that is coming to the end of its of its capacity and it's probably made worse by the high interest rates as well. Uh, interesting. And if, if you want to know a little bit more about Spotify and how much they pay for music, listen to episode uh, 38 with Cliff, Cliff Fluitt, because he talks a lot about Spotify and the reputation they have for not paying much. And he had a very interesting um, take on that. Episode 38, Cliff Fluitt, it was about music and we touched on Spotify. It was uh, uh, great to meet him. I might even be going to a gig with him. Uh, so we've I've actually made a new friend finally. First one in about 25 years. I, I wouldn't, I don't know whether he can see oh, me. Oh, thank you, Oliver. Oh, no, there was you. Of course. It feels <laughs> yeah, like I've known you so nice. long. Yeah, yes, we were. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. Yeah. Blimey, so yeah. Just because we don't have gigs with you. Did they, I watched the sign. I watched a Seinfeld episode the other night, an old Seinfeld episode the other night. Basically said, after the age of 30, it's very difficult to make great friends or new friends or whatever friends. Mm. Because basically in your in your, in your your teens and, and whomever, you know, you, anyone stands outside your door, you say, hey, you're my friend, you know. And if you, if you like the same kind of color ice cream, you say, hey, you're my best friend. It's a fantastic sketch, I think, from Seinfeld. But you can, Oliver, post the age of 30, make new friends. Absolutely. But please do not leave behind your existing friends, your existing no. friends on this particular podcast, you know. No, yes. no, you will Always yeah, I, I, always I, will, I stand by. I stand by Claire's comment there. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. well, like, you feel like you've been part of my life for so long. Uh, I, I forgot oh, that we didn't go to university <laughs> together, did we? Yeah, I, I can tried, I? Yeah. Can I just say one? Can I just put one thing, which is probably um, I'm just looking up uh, the various sort of stats on Spotify. Um, I, I think I think Claire, it, it, it would be pretty challenging. It, it is a listed business, so it's a, it, it's kind of like when you say because it, it's, it's going to be they they have to take it private, and that, that therefore that that's a whole big series of heat like hurdles you have to cross. So um, uh, it, it depends on their their share price, and so Netflix and um, and and Amazon and others would would take that into into account, but um, yeah, no, I, I I I'll defend Spotify. I I still think it's got a few years in it, but that could be my wrong prediction. But but we must keep your prediction there. I think Claire's just declared a fantastic prediction that Spotify might actually be taken private. Yeah, uh, nice there you go. I don't know if that's what again. I meant, but I'm I'm sticking with it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because because its share its share prices it's up it's up it's it's up it's up quite uh, quite a bit actually. I'm just looking at um I'm just looking at uh, the Reuters um yeah it, it is up slightly. Yeah, right. Okay. This is, uh, this is yeah. now. This is a news podcast, isn't it? It's it's a uh, it's waiting for someone to read uh, Reuters live, uh, and then we record yeah. it and we send it out two <laughs> days later. I don't think that's a podcast <laughs> model that's going to work. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> then the news is uh, Spotify shares go up, or they do at the point that we uh, recorded this podcast. Thank you, Maureen. Uh, great story. And finally, um, we did talk about this in preparation. Amazingly, we do prepare for these. Uh, podcast um i know i make it sound like we don't but we do uh, the uh, i've actually forgotten what this is completely clear will you please tell you us have, what, i um, can tell you tell yeah i can yeah, tell you i right. have no idea what you were talking about uh, <laughs> no. but i yeah. i have uh, a bit of a if tell. you were my friend 
you were my friend, Oliver, I'd be a bit upset. But since we've now found out that's not the case. Anyway, so Ofcom, Ofcom, which is, uh, um, you know, the UK um, government agency looking at looking at all sorts of media uh, and outfit sorry i should know this should i have a, that should have been a bit smoother ofgon publishes every year a sort of state of the online nation uh, and they've just done it and it's so it's it's about online news in the uk and it's it's uh data that they've collected in the spring of 2023 so it's very recent and as always not all of it is interesting but there are some interesting factoids that come out and i thought we could share some of the some of the highlights for instance uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, we find that porn view sky, skyrockets during work hours. <laughs> I think it's, it's actually my favorite fact of the entire study. Uh, but, uh, that's my favorite perhaps, time. <laughs> perhaps <laughs> my favorite time. Perhaps more relevant, uh, we also find that the average adult now spends 56 days a year, which I think uh, comes down to three and a half, three hours and 41 minutes a day online, which is eight minutes more than a year before, uh, which is, I'm not sure this is entirely good news but that's the case also i think interesting not surprising but interesting 99 percent of uk adults who are online have visited uh, an alphabet site uh, meaning either google and youtube meaning they really have complete access to every single person in the uk and then the second one is meta which is facebook whatsapp and instagram with 97 percent and then amazon with 89 percent i mean this is these are huge numbers it's really interesting to see the concentration uh, of those uh, of the the usage of those big american platforms uh and then finally another little factoid that came out Generative AI's use is growing. Uh, there, there's no, we specifically growing around with around young people. So, ChatGPT and generally generative AI is used by three quarters of young uh, of young people in Britain. Three quarters is enormous. Uh, if you look at the entire population, it is still quite high. So, it's twenty three percent of uh, internet users age 16 plus say they had they had used a generative ai tool now whether they knew what they were talking about i don't know but that's i find that number very high and interesting and really shows from i suspect pretty much zero a year ago uh, because that would have been before chat gpt came out that we've gone that quickly into that sort of penetration is pretty interesting so those were sort of my highlights from the online nation Ofcom reports. This is why we do the podcast, so you don't have to read a tedious report from a regulator, which sounds awful. Claire will pick out the bits that are fascinating, and they really are. The Gen AI one is amazing. Well, uh, I'm a management consultant, so I do two by two matrices. The, the porn one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. I'm actually completely artificial. I mean, if I was artificial, you've got to wonder what the training data was. Um, no, but yeah. the, uh, uh, the, the, the I always write, we think of two by twos, the likes of me and Maureen. And if you think of something that's useful and easy, this just absolutely fits into the easy and useful bucket. Incredibly easy to use, a bit like using Google. Incredibly useful because it not only does it write your dissertation and um, also your 360 feedback on colleagues. I'm joking. Uh, uh, that That's why. But that explosion from 0% or 1% to 75%, that's extraordinary. Thank you, Claire. That's, uh, that's brilliant. 
but can, but, but can I add to that as well? Because because I um look look look, we're a consultancy firm as 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 Oliver reminds us on like thrice in every yes, podcast. Yes, that's true. I do, uh, yeah. But 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 separate but separately, if we are suggesting strategies for large companies, small companies, and how they can use or understand uh, generative uh, uh, AI or AI or machine learning, then we ought to be using ourselves to show that it is workable and mm. it is usable and it is mm. worthwhile. So yes, I mean, we have our own, you know, uh, ChatGPT4 plus um, ADL knowledge repository that we're training our own models on our own material, which is confidential. And we don't share that with anyone outside of our walled garden. And I, I commend all, and I recommend all of the consultants that work with me on my projects that they should use it because it's absolutely amazing, you know, for summarization, they, we, we had to double check the research piece, but if it against our own repository of uh, files and uh, reports, then it should be, you know, it should be decent, decent, decent information. So, no, I love it. I, I've got it open all of the time. I've got it open next to my Reuters, my Reuters screen and my ChatGPT <laughs> smart search. Uh, I'm, I'm going to come back in and, and, and just clarify, because I don't think I did this very well, that Ofcom is short for the Office of Communications. don't know if you knew this. Uh, and it's the government-approved regulatory and competition authority for broadcasting, telecommunication and postal industries of the United Kingdom. And I think uh, I did not... Uh, do justice to what Ofcom is. It is. It has wide-ranging responsibilities in the in the media and telecommunication industry and the postal services, which I didn't know. <laughs> and uh, I just want to point out that uh, there was no way that Claire was reading that uh, off a website. She knew that off not. That would be really she weird. Made that, uh, clear. <laughs> so um, we're all we're not getting on very well actually this afternoon. We're falling apart. Uh, next time, next time, hosted by <laughs> some other colleague of Maureen, we will have the media be. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> that's good so actually that, that uh, online nation was great and thanks for picking out the really interesting bits i've written a lot of that down and i shall be um i shall be using it in, in conversation so thank you very much both uh it's me back in the studio that was in the news wow we are eating up the time today so we've got to crack on really quickly so let's do the pod emojis and there's a few really funny ones as well so uh um let's start quickly get your props at the ready uh 30 points available on this next one i just decided to introduce the concept of points for no good reason um yes the new york deal book summit and i will go to maureen she's wobbling oh around. yeah this is it I'm wobbling. I'm wobbling around a bit. So this basically is an annual conference, an annual summit. It's a, it's it's a summit. So the New York Times uh, journalist uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin, um, he basically was able to lure all of these big wigs onto the stage over the course of one day. And my goodness, was it drama! Oh my gosh, was it Ooh. drama! The, the best best you can get you know uh so from bob Iger, elon musk you had nvidia ceo you had david zaslav and all these folks so so the the, the, the so so that hilarious that basically a lot of the information has been extracted in really interesting sound bites so the only thing we learn about elon musk can do is the f word the only thing that we understand from bob Iger is Oh my God! You know my team didn't do well on the movie set, and they weren't supervised. Uh, so it's a real weird collection of um, let's call it transcripts. But actually, if you go in and listen to each an individual interview, there's some real insights. So uh, so I'm sort of saying 
it's a wonderful event. It's a great summit. Um, I think I think generally the media has extracted some really weird sort of sound bites from it and made it really quite explosive. Uh, a bit sort of bait, uh, uh, you know, a lot of bait um, was 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 attached to their little uh, hooks. Um, but nonetheless, I think it's been it's been absolutely amazing to see uh, a, a whole bunch of CEOs you know, talking about what they like and what they don't like and what they couldn't give a F for. So um so it was it was fascinating. So my this is Pop Mojo category, isn't it? So mine mine yeah. is like, oh my God. Oh my god. Oh my God. Oh Maureen, so good to see ya. Uh great voices, great summary. Thanks, Maureen. A Claire? Oh, so my Pop Mojo is an old man with a white beard. Uh, a white man Ooh. with a white beard. God, no. I mean, I, I, you know, of course, Maureen is right, and it's interesting to listen to people, to these people's views, and it's very true that if you stop at the soundbite, you, you haven't really gotten substantific, um, in important content. But it's also a bunch of entitled whites, old white men thinking that they can control the media, and I don't think that's actually true. So I'm slightly less positive on it than Maureen is. I have to say. <laughs> interesting and moving on oh this one's a good one claire this one's for you i know there was a coding conference i think in latvia and it ran into uh some kind of trouble uh am i right yes where we're going keeping on the on the topic of uh of sexism but the the this is a coding conference in latvia which was found uh guilty of inventing or creating female speaker profiles on AI to make it look like they were actually having a bit of diversity in the speaker forums. Uh, and uh, there's a, a wonderful uh, fake speaker called Anna Boyko, who apparently was a staff engineer at Coinbase and an Ethereum core contributor, uh, but she doesn't exist. And there's another one. And they, when asked, they said, oh, no, they were just placeholders, but they were placeholders that had been on the website for nine months. Anyway, most of the speakers uh, decided to st not attend and the conference has closed down. And the poor organizer says that he's a victim of a witch hunt. So there you go. Mm, well, he's got the overall responsibility. What's the pop moji, Claire? Just... just... <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, a dead dodo. Creature. Oh, I thought it was a... Um... <laughs> Uh, for Phoenix, not rising from the flames. Maureen, yeah. do you have a pop emoji for that one? Or no, no, because she doesn't exist. She's uh, she's made up AI. No, fair enough. Let's move on she's AI Maureen. Uh, I know it's right. AI Maureen. Is, I've become uh, an avatar. I've become an avatar. Well, I'm like animated. No, no. I agree with whatever uh, Claire says. So I'll stick with you, Maureen, with Sports Illustrated. Uh, AI-generated authors. This is another terrible one. AI-generated authors on Sports Illustrated. What's your podmoji? Yeah, well, I've been following the Arena Group because I'm really interested in what they're doing on um, in AI as with respect to uh, publishing publishing articles. And apparently, Sports Illustrated. I mean, the parent company is the Arena Group. Sports Illustrated. They published articles by fake AI-generated authors. So and, and, they, and they kind of didn't know that and wasn't aware of that. So apparently these authors are called Drew Ortiz and Sora Tanaka. And I have to say, I am reading this because I couldn't remember that. I had to, I couldn't memorize those names. Uh, and they had AI generated headshots, which they sold online, which is remarkable. Um, and, 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 and then the Sports Illustrated, they published this 
and then and then initially disputed the fact that these AI generated content um, was 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 not uh, legitimate. And then they found out that actually it was uh, these were articles were third party content. So um, apparently these these practices have been observed by a number of these um, publications like a, a reviewed a Gannett site. Um, and uh, both cases have involved Advon Commerce, which is linked to AI uh, solutions. Um, and then the Arena Group says, well, Advon, we're just ending our, um, ending our commercial relationship with. So it's a rather bizarre thing that's going on. So basically AI generated authors producing this uh, content, but actually there is a third party content party involved. It's all very confusing in my, so I'm like confused. So, so if you look at my head, it's like it's exclamation mark. I got a bit, it. A bit oh, confused. yeah, that was a strange expression, but it was good. It was uh, entertaining. Thank you. Uh, Claire, uh, similarly, where are you with this? I'm one? going with my mm, Miss Trunchbull, oh, headmaster, headmistress uh, face. <laughs> great yeah, face. I'm very good at that one. I use it a lot in board meetings. This, this is not this. You got caught. Oh, good. You got caught. That's not good. That's my that's my answer to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Naughty, naughty. Okay. Talking of which, actually, no, this is not naughty, naughty. This is interesting, and it, it's the it's the start of a very poor stand-up comedian's uh, routine. So I won't go there, but you can just imagine the kind of jokes that are going to be made about the fact that Grand Theft Auto has a female driver, Claire. Yes, Grand Theft Auto 6, uh, I think it's number 6, yes, it's, it's coming out and the, and the main protagonist is female. Now, she's not, the, she's not the first female driver in Grand Theft Auto, it turns out, although everybody said she was, but she's the first in GTA 3, she's certainly the, the, she's the most high profile and there's been various reactions, some uh, neutral, some very pleased, some horrified. I mean, GTA is not a game that you would uh, call enlightened or as some other other people might say, woke. So this is a big step for them. Good for them. We'll see what it means in terms of the rest. You know, this is a game that, you know, had, had people shooting sex workers and uh, most women that did come on screen were of the uh, buxomy variety. So evolution the gaming world is moving on so i'm i'm uh, i'm going to my podmoji is a little cloud of hope mm. okay that's good uh maureen your thoughts uh, another cloud of hope <laughs> another cloud of hope and using your hands as well to mimic uh, presumably water vapor. to make it fly to make it fly <laughs> i get it yeah no, it. i get it red bull yeah. red bull is is but is this avatar? I bet she's kind of um, uh, attractive, though. I guess. But I suppose most of the protagonists in uh, Grand Theft Auto are relatively attractive. Well, she's not sexy. She's not uh, Lara oh, okay. Croft good. kind of look. She's she's you know she's good looking, but as you say, the, the drivers are good looking generally. But she's not. She's not in revealing attire from what I've seen. No, that's good. No, well, that's good to know. Right, good. Good. And talking of female progress, uh, female program, progress in sports, uh, a breakthrough in the revenues generated by female sports. Maureen, that's got to be a positive way to end Podmojis, right? Yes. So hurrah, hurrah, hurrah for women's elite sports that, that, that Deloitte, the management consulting firm. Uh, the other management consulting firm. First time. 
I don't mind. I don't do that. <laughs> we have to pay, you know, we pay respects to our, uh, our, our fellow management consultants. We do. Uh, uh, they the club. first time to add up, add up all the numbers. They've added up all the numbers for women's sports in terms of match play, broadcast and commercial. And they are uh, predicting that uh, for the first time, women's elite sports will surpass 1 billion in 2024. So it will generate revenues of about 1.4 billion. So hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. So I'm hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. That's, oh, that's what lovely. I'm saying. That's my hurrah, yeah, hurrah, hurrah. And arms again. Brilliant use of arms today, if I may say so. And that is brilliant use. And blasting through the 1 billion as well. 1.4. Claire? Yeah, this sort of women, we can do it. You know, I'm looking at my We're bicep. We're seeing uh, Claire's line. guns. We're looking my at guns. one of Claire's guns. The, the, yes. the, the arm guns, not go. the actual guns that you have in Grand Theft Auto. And I did look, I, look, I looked I looked up, because we do have access to the internet and we are part of the online nation. And there, she is a bit sexy. But I think reasonably compared to other, I'm just going back to, to Lu- Lucia, Lucia the, the, the protagonist of Grand, Grand Theft Auto. Uh, but anyway, guns as the arms, nice. we can do it! Yay! Yeah. Goes women's sports. Uh, absolutely, couldn't agree more. Uh, and uh, yes, um, uh, uh, very good for. She's uh, what did you say? A bit sexy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, sounds like my Match dot com profile. Um, okay, so um, thank you. Uh, we're there. Uh, what a good episode. It was a bit, uh, we're a bit silly at times, but that's okay. I think we've decided the uh, the brand is it's uh, a lots silly of serious season. stuff. Yeah, I agree. And it's our, it's our last one this year as well. Um, yeah. So um, we have to wish each other, although I will be seeing Maureen at the Christmas party and hopefully we'll be putting on a similar performance to last year. Uh, and um, so uh, that'll be good, but uh, I might not see you again. So uh, firstly, um, thank you for a brilliant podcast, Claire, and happy Christmas um, and a joyous new year. Thank you very much, Oliver, and have a wonderful holiday season yourself. Thank you so much. And Maureen, again, this was a doozy. Uh, I loved it. Always fun and always um, entertaining. Always entertaining and always uh, uh, um, intellectually stimulating. You can't ask for more than that. Thank you, Maureen. See you next week for the Christmas party. But I wish you a happy Christmas formally for the podcast as well. And a wonderful new year, Maureen. Thank you very much, um, uh, Oliver, and uh, and to you uh, listeners. And thanks, Claire. Uh, it's been a, a joyous year. And uh, I look forward to 2024. Um, but yeah, I see you next week, Oliver. Yes, indeed. And Maureen, I just got to go back on something you said about uh, using Gen AI, that you commended the juniors on your projects. It's funny, isn't it? Just one little vowel uh, from commend to command. Uh, Basically, when uh, Maureen commends something, the juniors on her project tend to take it as a command and do exactly (laughs) as she says, particularly when she puts her um, school mom. Uh, uh, face on and they're going uh, that wasn't a commendation that was a command Uh, but they do always feedback about how much they like working on your projects Maureen so that's uh, that's good so uh, congrats well it only remains for me to say uh, that was great fun I really enjoyed that and so was 2023 this is the last one of this year I wish you all uh, a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to our very faithful uh, listenership we have over 200 subscribers now which I think is amazing very high quality individuals as well so have a great break over the holidays we'll see you next time but for now bye bye